It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis taking some time off from their busy research into the Pipeline Top 30 Club Prospects list. They're on the phone a lot this time of year, uh, tracking down the, the scouting directors, getting all the calls in to put these lists together, which will be coming out very shortly, starting next week. So thank you guys for, I know you're very busy, thank you for taking a little time to, to cover some other topics, and before you know it, we'll be talking about these top 30 lists. But today on the podcast, we will talk about top 10 position list lineups. You guys were challenged on the inbox to come up with lineups uh, from the top 10 positional list, so we'll get into that. We're also going to talk about who you're most excited to see in person at spring training, both in Florida and Arizona. But unfortunately, we have to start the podcast on a down note. Terrible news for the St. Louis Cardinals and their number one prospect, Alex Reyes, who will have Tommy John surgery to repair a torn ligament in his elbow. Of course, Reyes, just 22 years old, was expected to be a big part of that club and and that club's rotation this season, of course, and and also was going to pitch in the World Baseball Classic. So he had a lot on his plate. So instead, he won't pitch in 2017. Instead, we'll have to wait to see him again in the big leagues until sometime in the 2018 season. Um, How big a blow, first of all, and I'll start with you, Jim, how big a blow is this for the St. Louis Cardinals? Well, I think it's a huge blow. I mean, the Cardinals are a team that is trying to contend and get back to the playoffs. You know, Reyes would have probably opened the season toward the back of the rotation, but had better stuff than anybody in that rotation. And he showed it. You know, the, the thing was, he showed you what he could be last year. He came up and he was lights out as a reliever. And then they moved into the rotation. He was very good in the rotation. Uh, I, I think an easy choice when we're doing the top 100 list as the top pitching prospect in baseball. I think he's been everybody's top pitching prospect in baseball who's done one of those lists. And I mean, it, it's a mid-90s fastball and a hammer curve and an improving changeup. And, you know, he needed to throw more strikes. But, I mean, but, you know, that was coming along. And it's tough. And it's not only tough because you lose him this year. You'll get him back next year. But, I mean, that first year back from Tommy John, I mean, he, he's not going to necessarily be 100%, especially with the control and command. And you aren't going to – it's not like you're going to be able to get a full season's worth of starters' innings out of him. So, unfortunately, if you're the Cardinals because of the timing of this, we probably aren't going to see, like, full Alex Reyes as a starter being what he can be until 2019, which is a shame. He will remain a prospect now, obviously, for some time. Uh, Jonathan, Jim mentioned that, you know, that command and control is kind of the last thing to come back, and, and that's something that he certainly struggled with as it is. But when, when you look at Reyes, how does this affect him other than that, uh, he's 22 years old. We've seen so many guys successfully come back from Tommy John surgery. Is there concern that maybe he wouldn't be the same eventually? I don't think so. Just based on on the track record, uh, you know that we've seen. Obviously, there's never any any guarantee, uh, you know, that a guy's going to come all the way back. 
uh, I mean, I guess the, the positive is that he was not a guy that would ever rely on pinpoint command. So if he, if he doesn't get the pinpoint command back, if the stuff comes back, I think we've seen more and more uh, guys with, uh, you know, premium velocity power stuff uh, get all of that back. Some of it <clears throat> that you know, may take a little longer also is just to feel for the secondary stuff. You know, his changeup had improved considerably to give him uh, a quality third pitch, it may take him a while to, to get the feel for that back, uh, to be able to uh, throw his breaking ball for strikes. I mean, that kind of command, you know, that may take some time. But I, I think eventually he'll get there. Um, you know, he's still he's still young. Um, you know, it's just a shame because I think he would have been one of the more exciting storylines to follow over the course uh, of this 2017 season. All right, let's move on a little bit from Reyes and get into who you guys are excited to see this spring once you both hit the road to both Arizona and Florida as well. And maybe Reyes would have been those guy, one of those guys down in Jupiter uh, working out for the Cardinals. But I'll go back and forth. Let's start there. Let's start in Florida with the Grapefruit League. You'll both get down there eventually. Uh, Jonathan, who are you most excited to see from the camps that you'll be? So this will be somebody that you're going to get to see live and in person in spring training. Right, and there are, there are quite a few options. Um, I mean, I think the the easiest pick for me, uh, I get to go to Yankees camp near the end, uh, is to see Glaber Torres again because that's never a bad thing after seeing him in the fall league. Uh, this will be his first spring training with the Yankees. Um, I, I think seeing him there. Uh, and then close second for me would probably be getting to see Mickey Moniak in Clearwater uh, when I go to Phillies camp. Uh, also his first spring training ever after being the number one overall pick, uh, you know, solid, it's unspectacular pro debut, uh, just seeing how he fits in, uh, that'll be clear, you know, closer to the end of March. So I may have a sense of whether or not he'll, you know, hit a, a full season club in, in Lakewood in the South Atlantic league right away, or they're going to hold him back. Uh, so uh, I think, uh, obviously those two guys are at different stages of their minor league careers, but I think both of those guys are guys I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Jim, how about you in Florida? Yeah, well, I'm only there for four days, so I have a little bit uh, narrower focus. But, I, I mean, I, I think it's easy to say it's going to be somebody with the Braves. I mean, the guy I'm most excited about seeing is Kevin Maiton, the, the top prospect in the international market last summer. Supposed to be the best international prospect since Miguel Sano. Uh, the, the best Venezuelan prospect since Miguel Cabrera. Guy's chance to be special hitter, hit for average, hit for power, strong arm. You know, with all the, the shortstops and middle infielders the Braves have, I, I bet he winds up at third. He's a switch hitter. Uh, so I'm excited seeing him. He, he's only going to be 17 years old, and, and I hit Florida kind of towards the end of spring training. So at that point, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because you're, the minor leaguers are all going to be there. They'll be playing minor league games. Looking forward to him. And, yeah, I mean, also with the Braves, I mean, Ronald Acuna is a guy who has kind of gotten some buzz. Uh, was hurt last year, so didn't play a full season in low Class A. But I'm interested to see him. I mean, he's a multi-tooled center fielder. Uh, and, you know, Braves obviously have one of the best farm systems in baseball, very deep farm system, a lot of young talent. So really looking forward to my day in uh, Lake Buena Vista, Florida, on uh, I guess it's March 16th looking at the calendar here. Yeah, and there's not going to be a lot more trips to Lake Buena Vista, Florida for spring training for you. So enjoy it while you're there. Enjoy the uh, 
the tourists that'll be around there around the Disney area. Well, well, you know me. I, I, there's nothing like you know just throwing a bunch of Disney traffic on top of the spring training experience. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try to enjoy that. It is a magical place for sure. Uh, here's a question for both of you guys, because uh, I think when you go to spring training camps, it's a little different than a reporter, obviously, that's covering the big league club. Um, what is a typical day when you're at a camp at the minor league level? Because I don't even know if you step foot into the main stadium if you're there when games are going on on the backfield. Jonathan, you want to go first? Well, you know, if it's Jim, first you've got to deal with the paparazzi and the autograph house. <laughs> um, I try to so get there like an gets... hour before I need to be so I can sign all of those and then get my job right. done. So. Now, if it's Braves camp, it's dodging the things that are being thrown at him. So, you know, once he gets that out of the way, and, I, you know, it, some of it depends on the uh, the time of year. Uh, so I'm my first camp is Monday uh, in Arizona. All I got really is big league camp. Now, there will be guys on the minor league side working out, uh, but I will, pro- you know, I will likely spend my time in the major league club, clubhouse, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Later on, as Jim said, once minor league camp opens, I think we both like to shift most of our focus to the minor league field. It can be a lot of fun because there might be three or four games uh, going on at the same time. Uh, a lot of time it's a chance to see a guy in person that we've written about a lot but have never seen. Um, so that, that's, you know, that's always a, a good thing as well. You know, uh, maybe if, if there's somebody we've targeted that we need to talk to on, on the big league side, uh, you know, we'll do that, but I think uh, the the minor league side of spring training camps is really where you'll find uh, Jim or I or, or our, uh, our third musketeer, Mike Rosenbaum. And Jim, how does that access work as far as the minor league fields for people who haven't been down there? I mean, are you guys in the clubhouse early in the morning before those guys get out on the field, or are you in there after games? I know it's a little different on the on the minor league side. Yeah, it's more informal. I mean, you tend to... I, and I think I probably even more extreme. I, I generally, not that I don't want to, but I figure we have an army of reporters covering the major league side of things. So I, I figure the prospects who are in big league camp in a lot of cases are being covered by our, our reporters who cover those teams. So I generally don't do much on the major league side. You know, I may go watch the game and get some running done in the afternoon, and, and Jonathan and I are working around kind of doing some stuff for MLB Network. Uh, as well to fit that in, but yeah, I think it all depends kind of on on what the schedule is with the farm director. Like if the farm director wants to do something early, I'll obviously be at the ballpark early and then try to talk to some players during the day. But it's it's pretty informal. Most places um, allow fans, uh, I think, to watch the minor league side of things for free. Uh, you can usually there's usually a way. You, you may have to dig to figure out exactly what it is, but there's usually a way to get back onto those back minor league fields and watch some of those players at, at most of those places. But Jonathan's right. I mean, the best thing is, is when you're at one of those complexes and there's a clover leaf with two, three, sometimes four games going on at once, and you can kind of bounce back and forth and, and, and see different guys. Or maybe there's two games and there's some guys working out on a third field. Um, it, it's pretty nice. It, it's, it's usually a lot more low-key, you know, the big league clubhouse, there's, you know, the set times when you can be in the clubhouse talking to players. On the minor league side of things, you know, outside of, you know, making sure the guys are, are, are getting their work in, 
you can usually you know grab players and interact with them a little bit more. Uh, I, I mean, I, that's what I had. I had more fun than anything last year was just talking to, to some of these guys, you know, some really young players. Uh, and, you know, I was impressed with Martin Gasparini, who's from Italy. I mean, we talked about this last year on the podcast. And, and Dylan Tate, who wound up to having a, a much different year than any of us envisioned at the time. And uh, it was, you know, Jemai Jones with the Angels. I, I was impressed with how mature he is. Uh, Lucius Fox with the Giants. Uh, it was just fun talking to these players. Like Jonathan said, I mean, some of these guys are, are 17-, 18-year-old international players who you really haven't had a chance to see. And we, we don't travel internationally like, like Jesse Sanchez does for us. And it, it's really fun watching these guys in action. All right, let's move on to the Cactus League now. we get the Grapefruit League behind us. Uh, Jim, you can go first here. Who are you excited to see? I know you're going to see a lot more camps uh, in the desert than you are in Florida. Yeah, I think I see eight teams in Arizona compared to four in Florida. And you know me, I, I can't give you just one name um, because there's too many of them. But, uh, you know, there, there's a number of guys. I, mean, I, I guess the guy I'm most intrigued by is Jose Albertos with the Cubs. This is a guy they, they, they purchased from a Mexican League club in 2015. He, he made his USA debut last year. As a 17-year-old in Arizona League, four innings, one hit, one walk, seven strikeouts, hit 97 miles an hour, worked both corners, showed you know a well-above-average changeup, a pretty good slider, and that was the only game he pitched all year. Uh, he was shut down as a precautionary measure. He had some forearm soreness. It's weird because, and Jonathan, you can help me with this, and you too, Tim, there have been other outlets that have written that he wasn't really hurt and the Cubs had some ulterior motive for shutting him down, which uh, I actually asked the Cubs about this, and they said no. I mean, he had some forearm stiffness, and they shut him down as a precaution. But I couldn't even think of what what would be the upside. Like, he's not eligible for the 40-man roster. Like, I I don't even know why you would shut the guy down if you didn't need to. I mean, the guy, you know, you'd want him to pitch more than four innings uh, over the season. I mean, can you think of any reason why you would – Make up an injury for an 18-year-old kid so he wouldn't pitch anymore the rest of the summer. I got nothing. Yeah, I was gonna say. I hope Jonathan has an idea because <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Well, I mean, I don't either. I, honestly, I mean, the only thing I can think of is if they were afraid he was so good that that teams would demand him in trade talks or something. I I don't know. But in any case, what's weird about it too is for a guy who only pitched four innings. I mean, he's number. He I think he ended the season number ten on our, our Cubs prospect list, and which we're revamping right now, and he'll, he'll be in the top ten again. I was joking with the Cubs guys I was talking to. I have never seen a guy who kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, it's like this guy was a first-round pick, pitched four innings, and created this much much buzz. So I'm interested in in seeing him more than anyone. And there's just so many talented guys out there. I mean, Walker Buehler's a guy coming back from injury who hit 99 last summer. Uh, Yadier Alvarez, uh, I think, has a chance to to put his name in the running for best. Uh, Pitching prospect in baseball by the end of the season. They're both Dodgers. The the Rangers have a you know really exciting young Latin outfielder named Leote Tavares. I mean, I'm curious to see, uh, and I'm actually curious. You know, I think I have Indians camp is on my schedule. You know Brady Aiken's stuff. You're talking about guys coming back from Tommy John surgery. His stuff was was not as sharp as it had been in the past. Um, and I'm curious to see what Brady Aiken looks like. So it's uh, it, it's fun. I mean, it's spring training is is probably my my favorite time of the year, just because you could see so like like Jonathan was talking about. You could go see so many young players at once. Uh, I mean, the Arizona Fall League is a lot of fun too. But you know, there's only six or seven players from every organization. Here, you can you can kind of you know pick your spots and go see whoever. 
Jonathan, you're now allowed to pick 10 players from Arizona. <laughs> I pick everyone. Um, well, you know, I, I, it's hard because, like I said, my, I'm there at the very beginning. I am going to um, seven camps. Jim, you've got nine, actually. Oh, no, eight. Sorry, uh, because there's a no camp day. So I suddenly made 16 teams in Arizona. That would have been interesting. Uh, my first day, I get to go to White Sox camp. So, you know, I kind of hit the mother load right out of the gate, just in terms of the volume of new prospects, uh, just, you know, feeling their way in a new organization, all the trades that they made uh, in the off season and all the, the really high level prospects they're bringing in. Um, so seeing, you know, Yohan Mancata and Lucas Giolito and on and on uh, will be uh, a lot of fun. You know, there are some other guys that I really would be excited to see that I may not get to see. I'm actually a little surprised the Reds did not invite uh, Nick Senzel to Big League Camp, uh, given how advanced he is. Uh, maybe they just didn't want to put any pressure on him. Now, the way a lot of these camps are set up, the minor league side is close by. He may get brought over to play in a bunch of games, but he did not get a big league invite. So he would have been somebody I would have been interested to see. Um, likewise, I'm going to Padres camp. I would love to, to see Cal Quantrill throw. I'm not sure I'm going to get the chance to because that's on February 25th. So we'll have to see what, you know, I'll have to see where he's at and if anything's going on. But those are some of the guys that really, uh, really stood out. We will I mean, certainly... the nice thing is, I was going to say, Jonathan, I kind of I, I share your pain because like some of the guys I mentioned, it might be a little bit early because the minor leaguers come in a couple weeks after the big leaguers. The nice thing, at least, is these days it seems like everybody's reporting early to work out, even on the minor league side. So right. I'm you, 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 it's going to be too early us for, for most of our stay in, in, in Arizona to see guys in actual games. But, you know, there, there's a chance, you know, maybe Riley Pine is in Arizona at Salt River and you can watch him throw a bullpen or something even if you don't get to see him in game action. Right. We will certainly dig into your trip to Chicago next week on the podcast, I think. That'll definitely be – or your your trip not trip to, to Chicago. Chicago, but the, uh, the White Sox. We, we can talk about my trip to Chicago like almost every week here, here in, the, uh, in the Windy City. So. Yeah, we know you don't like to go to South Chicago, though. It's the wrong side from, from where you I, live. I like my wife who grew up on the north side, but that's, that's not true. I, I like going to – I just got to remember it's called Guaranteed Rate Park now, which is taking some getting used to. Yes, certainly. All right. Well, before we get into Jim and Jonathan's lineups from the Pipeline Top 10 list, we want to take a moment to tell you about the Cut Forecast or the Cut Forecast. The Cut Forecast is the podcast from the staff of MLB.com's Cut For section, which focuses on the lighter side of baseball. If you like this podcast, you'll probably like that one as well. It'll make you laugh. Last week, Dakota and Gemma talked minor league promotions. They interviewed, they interviewed Braves ballpark organist Matthew Kaminsky. He's, of course, getting some new digs this season. If that sounds like something you'd be into, search Cut Forecast. That's C-U-T, the number 4, C-A-S-T, in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And click subscribe. Now on with the Pipeline podcast. And, guys, this last segment, we have to, uh, we have to give some credit to Jacob Markle, who got involved on the inbox. He got on Twitter, and he fired away a question for the two of you. And, and as Jim pointed out, he didn't use 140 yeah. characters. He actually screen-grabbed uh, his question and got it on there. So he was very specific. He wanted you guys to come up with your best lineup from your top 10 positional list. But there was one little twist in there 
and that is that you could only use one guy from each slot, basically. So one number one, one number two, one number three, and so on and so on. So because of that, your team, your rosters look completely different, and it really made it for a fascinating list. So I'm going to go into both of these. Jim, you were first on the the answer as far as uh, the inbox goes, so you can go first. But what was your approach knowing that, you know, the way you had to do this, one one number per spot? Yeah, it was. you couldn't just take the number one guy at every position. And it was interesting because, I mean, I think Jonathan would, would probably second this. You know, I, I like, you know, I'm fine with the order we have, but, like, if it was just my personal list, you know, my top 100 would be different. Jonathan's top 100 would be different. My top 10 catchers would be different. Uh, Jonathan's top 10 catchers would be different. So what I, what I did was a couple things. One, there were some, some positions that were a little weaker, you know, catcher, first base, uh, second base, and third base did not have lists that were entirely populated by top 100 guys. But I just decided I thought the two weakest prospect positions in terms of depth were catcher and second base, and I was not going to worry about having a stud at those positions and closing other guys off. I was going to kind of take a guy who I, I kind of had, you know, liked, but like if I got the, like I took the number nine catcher, Jose Trevino, and I was fine with that because it allowed me to take higher ranked players who were in general, you know, ranked very high in the top 100 other positions. The other thing I did, I mean, again, back to what my initial point is, is I think you have gut feel guys where there's guys you really like on here, you know, whether it's guys at the top of the list. Uh, I mean, you guys know I have my prospect crush on Andrew Benintendi, and I have a prospect crush on Cody Bellinger, and they're both ranked number one at their positions, and I can only have one of them. And and I and I, you know, you kind of eyeball the list. I, I really like Cody Bellinger, and there are a lot of talented outfielders, so I took Bellinger and, and sacrificed Benintendi. But you know, some of these lists you look and you're like, hey, there's a number seven guy on this list. I really like that guy. Or I like, uh, I mean, you guys have heard me say before, I would have taken Kyle Lewis with the number one pick in last year's draft. So Kyle Lewis was the 10th-ranked outfielder. It's like, okay, I'll happily snap him up as my number 10 guy. So it was, it was fun. I, you know, I mixed around with it. Jonathan mentioned Mickey Moniak a second ago. I, I had an iteration where I had Mickey Moniak, but if I got Mickey Moniak, I had to give up Anderson Espinosa. And, you know, it, just, you, you, it, was, it was fun to play with this. So uh, similarities for your two lists. You both went with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at uh, third base. Uh, you both went with Kevin Maiton at shortstop, and you both went with Manuel Margot as one of your outfielders. So it wasn't completely different, but that's pretty good that that was it. Other than that, all different players. I'll go through your list real quick, Jim, and then I'll move on to Jonathan. But it was Trevino at catcher, Bellinger at first, Travis Demerit second, Guerrero third, Maiton short, Victor Robles, Manuel Margot, and Kyle Lewis in the outfield, and then Colby Allard and Anderson Espinosa on the mound as you each got a righty and a lefty. Jonathan, what was your approach? Yeah, so I, I did actually go at it a little bit differently in that uh, the places where there was that sort of position scarcity, I took the guys at the top of the list. Uh, and I agreed with Jim, you know, catcher and second base were the weakest, so that's why. And I took Carson Kelly, who's number one, uh, and then uh, Ozzy Albies as the second-ranked second baseman. Uh, and my thinking there was with the, the outfield and with right-handed pitching in particular, I mean, I think all 10 of the right-handed pitchers are in the top 40. Uh, so to me, the, the the difference between the top and the bottom wasn't as great as some of those positions where our lists aren't uh, quite as deep, uh, which is why I ended up with Reynaldo Lopez as my right-handed pitcher and Margot and Clint Frazier are 8 and 9 in the outfield. And 
you know, in terms of uh, Vlad Guerrero and Mike Tan, you know, Mike Tan is listed as the uh, number seven shortstop, and, and Guerrero is number three among third basemen. But um, and I'm going to guess that this entered into to Jim's thinking as well. Uh, those are both guys who have you know, ridiculous upsides and ceilings to the point where you don't even know where they could could end up. Uh, we both talked about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. from the top 100 came out as a guy who could be very close to the top of the top 100 after uh, after 2017. Uh, so I you know I, I was looking at those guys and Mike Tan especially was you know seventh uh, as a guy who. Uh, if he is as good as advertised, uh, could be the kind of guy who is at the top of the shortstop list uh, in the not-too-distant future. So that's sort of why I, I went in that direction for there. And shortstop, a pretty deep list as well with you know all 10 guys in the upper uh, parts of the top 100. So you're yeah, I was going to say, Jonathan, I thought Guerrero was maybe the easiest pick on here just because third base was also a scarce position, and he was only number three. Uh, that might have been the first guy I locked in on because I'm very bullish on him. There aren't, you know, third base is not a deep position. I think maybe five of our ten third basemen were on the top 100, and so it, that was a very easy, very easy pick. I thought. To recap, Jonathan's full team: Reynaldo Lopez, the right-hander; Amir Garrett, the lefty; Carson Kelly behind the plate; then Bobby Bradley at first; Ozzy Albies at second; Guerrero at third; Maiton at short. Uh, in the outfield of Lewis Brinson, Manuel Margot, and Clint Frazier. I wonder if there's a way we could look back on these rosters at the end of the year and through some sort of fantasy points claim a winner between the two of you and who picked the better team. Well, we were joking. You almost have to look 10 years down the road because you guys like Guerrero and Maiton are going to be in low class A. It's really – I was joking with Jonathan. He's in charge of figuring out how many career award these guys get, and and we'll look back at this list and – the year 2037. <laughs> we'll do a podcast. There we go. All right. Well, that's a great list. And, and again, we thank Jacob Markle for the great question that led to this list. And you can read a little more, of course, all the time on the inbox on Pipeline as Jonathan and Jim both kind of take turns taking shots at the inbox and answering all the questions you have out there on Twitter. All right, guys, that's going to do it for another podcast. You can get back to your calls and get back to writing up those lists because the top 30s for each team will start coming out early next week. This has been the Pipeline Podcast. For Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.